Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast, my friends. Um, let's wrap up. I've had a month to reflect. I think I said I would do this within a couple of days, but I instead just took a month <laughs> because what does it matter? Hey, eh? so we finished the last book, Hail and Farewell, and I owe you a couple of podcasts to to tie a nice little bow around this experience. The first of which is reflecting on that last book. We always do a wrap-up podcast when we finish a book. And then the second podcast, um, which will come, I don't know, maybe in another month, maybe in a few days, I don't know. It'll be around the corner somewhere. will be a podcast to wrap up the Hemingway list. The list, you know. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't even really know what that would look like. It would be great to have... Uh, some of the key players, some of the heavy hitters, um, pop in, and either either I can you know read out your your comments, your your reflections, or if you want to be on the podcast, we can um, you know maybe schedule a time to to have a chat and record it and put it on the episode. Um, so that's you know that's to T- TBC. Let's call it TBC. To be confirmed at some point. I'm not fussed about that. I'm not stressed about that. The last month or so has been lovely, you know, wrapping up the podcast, freeing up that bit of time, a real sense of pride that I finished it. And, um, yeah, that little slice of time on a daily basis back in my life has been nice. I've, you know what I've done with it? I've done nothing with it. (laughs) Just a little bit extra time, you know, changing nappies making dinners, um, and etc. So that's been great. Fitness update, um, because I think I mentioned a bunch of times over the last few books that I, you know, was concerned about that. Um, but, you know, that's going good as well. Lost a bit of weight in the last few months in general. Um, dropped a size or two. I've got a whole wardrobe of clothes that I can't fit into. <laughs> they're like, you know, at the worst of times, they were three sizes too small. Now they're about one size too small. All right, so I'm getting there. I'm going to get back into my normal weight, which is very exciting. I'm, I'm halfway there, let's say. So pat on the back for me for that. I'll say that this is completely unrelated to Hail and Farewell, but um, the, the the key really has been... I'm one of these people now, but I've started doing the low carb diet, you know, keto or whatever you want to call it, Atkins, low carbs, low sugars, just eating proteins and fats and and and, and getting that ketosis state. Uh, and it's really quite remarkable. Um, it's really taken a weight off my shoulders, no pun intended. But um, I've always been the. This is this is how I phrase it to you, and this is not what you tuned in for, but I'm going to say it anyway because. You know, whatever. <laughs> I've always been the person who putting on weight was way easier than losing weight. You know what I mean? Like I could stack on a few kilograms in about one-tenth of the time it would take me to lose that weight if I dieted strictly and exercised my absolute butt off. It still took me so long to lose weight. But with this keto diet or Atkins or low-carb, whatever you want to call it, I've found that I can actually lose weight quicker than I usually put on weight. 
You know what I mean? Like I put on, let's say I put on 10 kilos after over the last um, three years, you know, just trending up, 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 put on 10 kilos, which is, you know, an extra, that was an extra, you know, 15% of my body weight or something like that. Um, but since I started keto a month ago, I've lost about 10 kilos, right? Which is remarkable. So it really has lightened up my mood because now I've got this feeling like I'm going to do this diet and exercise until I'm at my ideal weight. Then I'll go on just a sort of healthy mixed diet. If I start to trend back up again, I know that I can go back on this diet and trend back down real quick. So I just feel like once I get down to my ideal sort of range, I can just live in that now. Like I know how to stay in it. And it's a really, at 37, to figure that out is really, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's been a, a battle my whole life and now it isn't anymore, seemingly. Maybe I'm, you know, I should touch wood at this point. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, so I'm a big advocate for that diet. Um, your mileage may vary though, I would say. Now, I know no one on this podcast wants dieting advice, and that is one of the most obnoxious things that you can just give unsolicited to people, so I do apologize. I hate when people do what I just did to me. So, um, yeah. I would just say, if anyone is in that same situation I described, where you just can't, like, taking weight off is such a battle, uh, watch a few YouTube videos where they explain ketosis, uh, and how it's achieved and how it's maintained, that would be my recommendation. And then you can either dismiss it or, you know, whatever. Cool. <laughs> so how long are we? We're, we're five minutes, six minutes into the podcast, and I've only spoken about keto. Hail and farewell, though. What are my reflections on that book? You know, to be honest, I haven't thought about it. <laughs> I haven't thought about it in a month. It was a bad book. It left nothing, no food for thought. Um, it only really lived in my mind as an example of what not to do as an author. And I approached the topic of the Hemingway list as an author because the, the, the primary goal of the list, as per Hemingway's intention, was to help you become a great author by reading a, a, a reading list, you know, a roadmap. If you uh, take lessons from each of these books, it'll help you on a journey to become a better writer. The only way that I can think that I could become a better writer from Hail and Farewell is by knowing what, you know, uh, refining my taste, knowing what I don't like. And, um, you know, often when you see a trait that you don't like in another person, another artist, another artwork, something like that, when it really grinds your gears, like when it really gets you, it's often because it's a trait that you really despise when you see it in yourself. You know what I mean? And so maybe the reason that you really dislike certain things or people or artworks is because there's a li- it's a great uh, display of a quality that sometimes you recognize in yourself and you try to, you try to uh, eliminate. So... What was wrong with Hail and Farewell? It was tedious. It was sort of self-grandizing. I think that was the worst thing about it. It's like someone begging to be called a genius, right? 
someone begging to be recognized for their talents, and that's their primary goal. It's not a mode of entertainment. It's not meant to provide any value to the recipient. The value is all for the creator. And I really dislike that. And I think maybe there's the seed of truth. When I started writing, I always was like, I really dislike that goal. But when you're a teenager, you know, when I was writing stories in high school, for example, I never wanted to be an author, by the way, until I was in my mid-20s. But when I was a teenager, I always wrote books. And um, I always, or not books, stories, I should say. And I always got a lot of praise for them. In year 10, when, which is, you know, there's, there's two more years after year 10, and that's what we call VCE, which is the last couple of years of high school where they shape you for what you want to do next. You know, you choose your subjects and you tailor them to your life. So at year 10, you do a lot of career guidance and you have guidance counselors. So they're saying, you know, the next few subjects you choose for the next couple of years are really important because they can guide your career into the right university and then into the right career. So at that point, year 10, there's a lot of conversation about what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? Where should we be steering you? And the guidance counselors will give you advice based on your academic history so far. They'll say, look, you're really good at maths. You're really good at science. Maybe uh, maybe you could aim for a computer science university course and then therefore take these courses in VCA, something like that. Anyway, my whole point is my career guidance counsellor was saying you should be an author. You should write novels, which is very rare. Like it's not a career that's recommended often to high school students. It's not a very viable career. I also played music at that point, and I just sort of said, I'm going to be a rock star, obviously. Why would I want to write books? That's not a cool. That's not cool. So I didn't think it was cool, but I did enjoy it. I I liked writing books. I just didn't want to be an author. But I kind of had this feeling like, but I can do it. You know what I mean? Like a real smug, real arrogant sort of like, yeah, I've got that under my belt. I'm a great writer. And, um, you know, I'm going to squander that talent. I'm not even going to use it. That kind of feeling, that really obnoxious feeling. And when I would write at that point, the thing I loved was people enjoyed the stories, which is great. So I was doing something right, but I loved that praise. I loved that. Like, oh my God, Andrew's really great at this. I guess I, I didn't have much else that people would praise me for. I was good at music as well. So I did get praise there. Um, but it always, you know, being a young man. You you, pray, you 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 crave that uh, acceptance and that I don't know that feeling of like oh yeah I can do something exceptional. So I made a very conscious decision. Like at that point, you know, I was writing a lot and I was enjoying the praise, and then I would start to read other authors who were praised as sort of you know the best authors, the bet like you know I wanted to be one of the one of the greats. I wanted to be the Hemingway. Right, or I fancied myself, you know, in that league, even though I sorry I didn't really want to be an, an author, but like those were the books I was drawn towards, like great authors, because that was my domain of where I thought I I lived. I guess <laughs> super arrogant, right? Um, but then I would read a lot of contemporary authors who were called great, and I would be like, oh, I just feel like it is really good, but I just feel like they're just putting so much effort into making the 
the pros really, really slick, really, really fancy and clever, but it's not really making the story better. It's just so that the author can get, you know, comments saying they're a genius. And I hated that even early on. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> like, that's what I felt. And then, so it was before I decided I wanted to be an author, I decided that I really disliked that when I recognized that in other writing. Um, so that's going into, and I'm, I'm so glad as well that I recognized that before I even wanted to be an author, it shaped the kind of author that I wanted to be when I decided I wanted to be one. Um, and there's a great, great quote. And this is like one of those passed down quotes and I'm, I can only paraphrase it cause I can't even find it. It was in a Stephen King interview. And he was talking about why J.K. Rowling is a great author. So it's a, he quotes J.K. Rowling. So I'm quoting J.K. Rowling by way of Stephen King, and I can't remember where the interview was. But he said, one of the things that makes her great and so successful is that she, even though she writes for kids, she never talks down to the reader. And that, that lived in my heart. Like, it doesn't matter who you're writing for. Never assume that you're smarter than them or you're more of a genius than them. Never talk down to them in any way. You're just on their level at all times. And um, that's what I took into writing my first novel, and my second, and my third, and, and everything I've written since. Never assume you're better than your reader. Um, and it's, I think that's a fantastic trait to have. And further along from that, you're like you're not better than them, and you're not more important than them. So the the service that you're conducting as a writer is for them. So you're not talking down to them, and even more than that, the the value in the writing is for them to receive. So make it entertaining, make it good, make it engaging, make it interesting, in in intriguing, all those things. Right, that's valuable to them. Um, and all that being said, you know, I still am super critical of myself when I write to, I'm, I've got an eagle eye for any moments where, oh, I just put that in because it makes me look clever. Yep. And I, I, I rearrange it and I take it out and I, I don't mind looking clever, but if it's the main purpose of the writing and it, it actually detracts from the book in some way, other than making me look clever, I rip it out, you know? Um, even little examples, like sometimes you put in a really good word and you're like, oh, that's a good word. That's a, that's a clever, obscure word. And then you realize it's probably not even the best word to describe what's going on here, but it makes me look clever. And you get really attached to that word being in there because it's such a good word. And it can be hard to say, you know what, I'm going to replace it with the better word, even though no one's going to pat me on the back for using that word. It even goes down to that level, but then on much broader levels, you know, um, of course. Anywho, I detested Hail and Farewell because all it seemed to be is the opposite. All, the only thing it seemed to be was George talking to George for the sake of George, you know? All right, so that's my reflections. We've got a few comments here. Now, these comments are on the side of some of them are just congrats for finishing the book. Actually, they basically all are. Congrats for finishing the list. Uh, so maybe. Maybe we save these for the next 
Maybe we save these for the next podcast where it's more of a wrap up on the whole project. I reckon that's what we do. Um, were there any, sorry, before I sign off, because all I've done is chit chat about myself and my own experience, but I'm just trying to find a comment from someone who read <laughs> the actual book. Uh, oh, Techrific. I am a bit behind, but I'll finish it tonight. In advance, I'll just say this. Good riddance, and thanks for a whole lot of nothing, George Moore. No more, more. Hear, hear. What a, tr- what a pile of trash. <laughs> um, yeah, well, thanks, Tech. Our acoustic Eels, way to go. Super proud of you and Swim and Tech and whoever else made it through this book and the list, I guess, as well. I just listened to the last 10 minutes to at least get the experience of finishing the book with you all. When he was talking about finding a wife to play piano and give him an hour and a half recital every night for free, I laughed a little. From a labor perspective, but also funny that he thought he could get a wife. (laughs) If a man were courting me and sent me the manuscript of this book, I would send it back and tell them never to contact me again. Based on the writing, one can imagine how bad the dinner conversations would be. So, so true, Acoustic Heels. Can you imagine suffering this man as your husband? Oh, even, even like I often imagined him from his friend's quote unquote perspective, the folk, you know, AE, uh, the other writers that were mentioned in this book whose names slip my mind at the moment. Um, but he's always name dropping his famous friends, right? And I've just got this feeling that it's obscured very well because this is Moore's recounting of the story, but you just get this feeling that those friends probably didn't really like Moore as much as Moore thinks he did. He probably just imposed himself upon them for tedious, long conversations which they couldn't break away from in any polite way. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. Him with a wife, just she would just have to listen to, to him talking about Protestants. <laughs> oh, God. Shut up, George Moore. Shut up. Oh, I'm getting flashbacks. Getting flashbacks to this book. Um, yeah, and also the fact that he just wants a wife so that she can play piano to him, essentially. Just, yeah, from a, a free labour perspective, like you said, Acoustic Heels. Like, that's what you get a wife for, so that they can entertain you on a nightly basis with music. Um, I, I guess, uh, like gramophones or music playing devices didn't exist yet at that point. So yeah, get a wife. That's, that's the next best thing. Um, swim. I don't see a comment from, oh yeah. Swim says, oh, this was a month ago. I'm not finished yet. Our grand road trip adventure slowed me down. Thank you, Andy, for this grand journey you led us on. You are most welcome. I wonder if a month later you have gotten around to finishing this book, Swim. And I also wonder, uh, yeah, will will you contribute to the next podcast, which is going to be more of a celebration of this project as a whole? And of course, Swim's at the moment, Fishy, probably the number one MVP, closely followed by Techrific, maybe even equally, um, but for different reasons. Swim has been with us for every page of every book, which is 
amazing. Tegrific has moderated for us through every book, though I think um, in some instances dropped off the reading here and there, but still was around to moderate the subreddit and to contribute to conversations in just about every book. Maybe you correct me if I'm wrong, Tech, but I think you were here for every book. So, um, yeah, I'd say those are the, those are, those are my two MVPs. Not that I'm going to play favourites because everyone who's participated has, has you know, blown me away with the commitment that they have shown. Um, and you know who you are. Uh, but, you know, all these honourable mentions uh, will... Well, I'll save them for the next podcast, but um, definitely love to have all your voices reflecting in the next one. So uh, maybe I'll put up... I'll put up this post, the wrap-up for... Um, for what's it called? Hail and farewell. And in the coming days, slash weeks, slash months, whatever, I'll put up a post just for catching anyone who wants to in, be involved in the next podcast, um, where we can coordinate our efforts during in, in within that post. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, huge thanks for everyone who made it through. Hail and farewell, and for listening to this podcast. I know it's probably not my best podcast. Um, I just thought. I'm going to turn the mic on and just, it's been a month since I've done this without planning. Let's just reflect, (laughs) you know, and so here we are, Uh, a bit of a babbled podcast, but uh, you know, what more would you expect from me at this point? Cheers folks. See you soon. Mm -hmm.